0: Welcome again to Door Creek Online. So glad that you could join us. Hey, I hope you caught up with the vlog that I taped this last week. It's all about being united as a church family around Christ and his purposes in this world. Um, uh, You know, being a pastor is, uh, the root word of that is being a shepherd. And so one of my jobs and our jobs as pastor is to protect the sheep Um, And one of the interesting things right now is I feel like I got to protect sheep from sheep because there's just a lot of barking and biting going on. And it's all around politics. And guys, we're Christ-centered church. What unites us is not politics. What unites us is not a candidate. It's not a political party. It's the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ, our King. So if you didn't get the vlog, just catch up with it. You can find it on our webpage. Or if we don't, know who you are, you can just actually connect with us through our online bulletin, doorcreek.info. And we'd love to just get you in the regular flow. We won't barrage you, but the regular flow of information about the life and ministries of our church. So COVID, we're hitting some milestones. 250 days in, we're at 10 million cases. We're up to about 250,000 deaths. And we're worn out, we're weary, we're discouraged, we're frustrated, we're depressed, we're mourning the loss of loved ones, we're afraid for loved ones that right now have COVID and they're in a nursing home, we can't see them. Uh, we're, We're anxious, we're fearful, all kinds of emotions, and it's just been 250 days. I mean, it feels like 250 months, right? We're not even sure what normal look like anymore. And yet, as we think about 250 days, as long as it's been, it helps us kind of get back into the story in John chapter 5, where we met this guy who for 13,800 days plus has been paralyzed. And Jesus meets him and changes his life. And it's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing miracle. And it starts with a question. He said to the man, do you want to get well? We're all going, well, of course he wants to get well. But he kind of hemmed and hawed, went around the question, and finally Jesus understood that he wanted to get well. And so he made it really clear that he was going to have to trust him, Jesus, more than the stirring of the waters. He was going to have to trust Jesus and take him at his word more than his friends who might be able to get him into the pool. He was going to have to trust Jesus more than he would trust himself to scrape and crawl his way into the pool and be healed by those miraculous, turbulent waters. And it was a great day. It was a great day that brought lots and lots of joy. But it was a great day, too, when Jesus met him a couple days later in the temple and, and caught up with him. And he said, hey, by the way, I've come to heal you completely, body, mind, and soul. And so I want to make sure that you have spiritual healing. So stop sinning so that something worse doesn't happen to you. And we're surprised at the reaction of people, specifically the religious leaders, like um, they're ticked off. This is a great miracle that we would think would bring a lot of praise and joy and jubilation to the religious leaders. Cause you know, the, the prophecies about Messiah was that the lame would leap for joy, Isaiah 35. Maybe they'd connect the dots that this is the long awaited Messiah. But there's no connecting of dots here. There's just the connection of anger over Jesus. Who do you think you are healing on the Sabbath? Who do you think you are claiming to be God's son? And and so this is a word for people who go to church, people who actually in the busyness of their lives, you actually logged on to join us today. Uh, It's a good thing to remember that great quote that we heard last week from Don Carson, his commentary that goes like this. There are none so blind as those who are always certain that they see. And so we want to make sure that we don't miss what the religious leaders missed because when they should have been giving Jesus their praise, they're persecuting him. Actually, check it out in verse 16 following to verse 18 of John chapter 5. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, that is healing people, performing miracles, doing good things, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even, call, even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The great things that Jesus does today is a taste of the greater things yet to come. That's that's the big idea. The the great things that Jesus does today in the life of this paralytic, meeting his whole needs, is just a, a foretaste, a sampling, a taste of even greater things, Jesus says, that are yet to come so jesus great miracle is met with persecution when we were expecting praise and the great things that jesus does today is offered to everyone but it's only celebrated but it's not celebrated by everyone let me say it again i kind of turned it the great things jesus does today is offered to everyone but not celebrated by everyone right we saw that so what we have here is jesus is on trial And Jesus is now defending himself. In a sense, what we have is not John the Baptist's take on Jesus, not the religious leaders' take on Jesus, but it's Jesus' take on Jesus. That's the title of our message, Jesus on Jesus. So he's defending himself, who he is, what he's been doing. And it all connects back to the purpose of John's gospel. John chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So Jesus has heard the question, what do you think you're doing healing on the Sabbath? And who do you think you are claiming to be the son of God? So Jesus is going to answer their questions, which are nothing short of accusations. And what Jesus does here is he just says, the greater miracle that is offered to everyone is only received as we trust in his work, the very thing you're questioning, and in his identity. The two things that you're questioning are actually the basis of receiving Jesus' great and greater works. So look at verses 19 through 23. And what we see here is the great things Jesus does today is, yep, a taste of the greater things. Verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer very truly. I tell you the son can do nothing by himself He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does the son also does For the father loves the son and shows him all he does Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So, How does Jesus answer these two questions with basically one answer that's saying, look, I and the father are one. Now he doesn't use those words. We'll get that exact quotation later, chapter 10, verse 30. But basically what he's saying here is I'm healing on the Sabbath and claiming to be God's son because I and the father are one, right? My works are are his works. He's already said my words are his words in John chapter 3, 34. Now he's saying my works are his works and his works are my works. The reason I healed on the Sabbath is because God the Father is at work on the Sabbath and I'm just joining God in his work. And what God is doing uh, any day of the week is he's restoring all things to himself for our good and his glory through me, his son. And so that's what I was doing. And so he's making it clear. I and the Father are one. My words, his words. My works, his works. His work of creation, John chapter 1. Jesus works, not just the Father's works. He goes on to say the work of the Father is, is, has been given to me. As well, to raise people to new life, resurrection life, spiritual new life. Yeah, that's what I traffic in as well. Not only that, I am joining God in the work of judgment. In fact, He has appointed me to be judge over all things. And we're all united together the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that He's going to talk more about in chapters 14 and 16. We're all united. And we're united in love, not just in our common work. I think about his, his love for entering into the father's work and I go, that's not how it always was for me and my father's work. My dad was a hard worker. He uh, he had dental lab and he was working hard during the week on the dental lab, late at night, early in the morning. But then on Saturdays, he took a break from dentistry and he was hard at work in the in the yard and there were chores to do and I was invited in. And I can tell you, I didn't always want to do the work of the father. In fact, I spent a lot of time right about this time of the year in the fall trying to change my dad's work. Like he would always say, we got to rake the leaves. And I'm going, dad, there are so many huge trees. Why can't we just wait to the end of the fall? So we just do it once, get them all out on the street and be done with it. I I, I tried to kind of, slip away because you know I want I live just a mile away from Dyke Stadium where Northwestern University played I wanted to go see him lose because that's all he ever did back then I want to see him lose to the Badgers and the Buckeyes and USC and all the rest but my dad said there's work to be done and man I was always trying to get out of the work of my father Jesus loving the father and the father loving him entered fully into the work Of God the Father. That's who he is. That's what he's on about. And so he's working out the Father's purposes. And part of the Father's purposes is that he would execute perfect justice. So the same words, the same work, the same judgment, all to the same honor. Because that's why God has made him judge. So that he'd receive the same honor as the Father, verse 23. So the question is, how does Jesus becoming judge? Because he came the first time as Savior. He's coming back as judge. How would being judge be to his honor? Because when we think of judge and judgment, we think of it would be to our fright and to our kind of moving away from him, not to his honor. How does Jesus' perfect justice bring him our honor? Two reasons in the text. He provides a way of escape from the judgment through his death on the cross. And his judgment is perfect. He knows us perfectly. His judgment is not on his own whim. It's to please the father. And he's hearing the father and executing perfect justice. Look at it in verses 24 through 27. Very truly, I tell you, Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to also have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of God. So John's reminding us here that Jesus is the promised Messiah. He's the Savior who came to save us. John 3, 17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. So he is honored as judge because he's our Savior. It reminds me of this fascinating story. I was trying to chase it down. I always thought it was... uh, Uh, Mayor LaGuardia, but I'm sure it was him. But here's how the story goes. It was a judge in New York during the Depression. A man is brought in, accused of stealing a loaf of bread. How How do you plead? He says, I plead guilty, Your Honor. I don't have a job. I don't have any money. And I've got a family. I've got to provide for them. And I had to steal a loaf of bread to feed my family. And it was just a sad, tragic story. And when the gavel went down and he, and he sentenced him guilty, he said, you're guilty. And Then he did this amazing thing. The judge pulled out his wallet and he paid the $10 fine, whatever the fine was. And then he did something even more unbelievable. He looked at the courtroom and he said, this is so sad that in our city, we would, we would have somebody have to steal bread to feed his family. And then he, he passed the hat and fined everybody in the courtroom and he gave that money to the man. Now, I don't know if this is legend or true, but what Jesus did for us is far greater than that. The innocent son of God came to die in our place. And Jesus is the judge. He finds us guilty, but then he pays the penalty of our guilt. That is, he dies in our place so that we could escape judgment. Our life is hidden in Christ. That's what Paul says to the church at Colossae, Colossians 3, three and four. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So our faith in Jesus, our trust in him, and in the God, God the Father who sent him, is our only escape. Jesus doesn't say in John 14, verse six, I am one of the ways. I share a little bit of the corner of truth and, and I have a little bit of life to offer you. No, he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. And then he makes this exclusive claim. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what do we know about this day of judgment? Keep reading, verse 28. Do not be amazed at this, for time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who've done what is good will rise to live, and those who've done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but to him who sent me. So here's what we know. There's a coming day of judgment where God, Jesus Christ, through his powerful voice will raise everyone, everyone, some to eternal life and some to eternal condemnation. Everybody will be raised, but everyone will not share the same destiny. The judgment will be fair. connected to god the father's word he's hearing it he's executing perfect justice to please the father not to please himself he knows all things his is perfect justice and for all the injustice of this world everything will be made right and our only hope of escaping judgment is faith in jesus christ's good work his great work, his greater work on the cross that gives us new life. So the religious leaders, those who think they see so clearly, but are blind and Jesus is gonna call them blind. They think they're gonna escape judgment because they think John 3:16 goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only list. It was full of rules. And whoever keeps the rules on the list will not perish, but have eternal life. That's how they thought it went. They were trusting in their good works, not in the good work of Jesus Christ, who is coming to do the very thing they want to do, kill him. So that's what determines our eternal destiny, our faith in Christ. That's what he's talking about. Verse 29, have we done what is good? Have we done what is evil? He's not talking about good works and bad works. He's talking about doing what is good. That is, have we placed our faith in him? It's always been about faith. Who are the children of God? Chapter one, verse 12, those who receive him, who believe in his name. Who are those who, who inherit eternal life? John three sixteen: those who believe in his one and only son. Jesus will say this in chapter six, verse 28 and 29. Then they inquired, Jesus, what must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus replied, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Or again in verse 40, for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. That's the good work, believing in him, receiving eternal life, raised up at the last day. So the great works of jesus or to give us a taste a taste of the greater works to come but maybe like the religious leaders the taste you have right now is a bitter taste because there are some really exclusive claims that jesus has that jesus makes that john's not making that jesus is making that i and the father are one that i'm the way the truth and the life that the only way that you can be saved from judgment is by trusting in me and so I wonder if it's a bitter, a bitter taste right now or if it is sweet because you know that the one who judges is also the one who saves and you've banked everything you have in Jesus. Well, if you're offended, I get it. In fact, you're in a long line that goes back 2,000 years. They were so offended with what Jesus said that they wanted to kill him. Remember, that's how we started out. And so don't get caught up in this, well, we're modern people. We live in a pluralistic, tolerant society. And so that's why I'm offended. No, no, no. People have been offended by Jesus for 2,000 years. Ever since he claimed to be the son of God. And ever since he healed that paralytic. And so just be sure that you're offended about the things that they were offended about. His claim to be God and his first proof that we just saw about healing the paralytic. I mean, there's other proofs already changing the water into wine, right? changing the life of that woman at the Samaritan well. So are you offended? But even as you wrestle with that, are, are you open to the offer that Jesus gives? That Jesus' work actually promises rest. Do you need rest this COVID season? From your weariness, your anxiety, you're finding yourself medicating yourself, your loved ones are mentioning your crotchiness, your attitude, your negativity, your drinking right now. You need rest for your body, mind, and soul. You're disconnected and you need rest. Rest and fellowship with God through Christ. He offers wholeness. He asks us, do you want to get well? Do you want to be made whole? Body, mind, emotion, soul, Relationships. Do you want to be free, set free from your past, from the hatred of those who've hurt you? Do you want to be set free so that you know who you are and are set free from living from others so you could live for God and find what true living is all about with purpose and significance in this life? And do you want to be free from the judgment to come because your hope is in Christ? And so you got the hope of crossing over from death to life. The irony is the very things that they question, his work and identity, are at the heart of our salvation. The facts that offended them are the very thing Jesus says, they're the things that save us. The things they hated are the very things that Jesus' followers love. So here's my challenge. The great things that Jesus did here he's going to do are all related to his word. His word that we have still living and active. All of this is about Jesus. The Old Testament pointing to him and he's just unfolded. And Jesus is all about helping us understand the father who made us and loves us, who made you and loves you, knows everything about you. And he still sent his son to die for you. And so God's great works, Jesus' great works are connected with his word. And here's my challenge. This week, read John's gospel and ask God to show you, to give you a taste of the great things that Jesus wants to do for you and even the greater things that are in store for you through Christ. Let's pray. Lord, you call us to taste and see that you are good. And even as we come to this passage, uh, we see more of your goodness. That Jesus, even as these men are, are wanting to kill you and persecute you, that you are holding out grace and truth because that's who you are, full of grace and truth. And what you held out to them as they wanted to kill you and eventually did, you hold out grace and truth to us. The truth that we need a savior and the grace that you are willing to not just condemn us, but Lord, you're willing to save us from condemnation by bearing the wrath of God in our place. And so, God, I just pray that you'd whet our appetites, that you'd open our eyes, that you'd open our hearts, that you'd grant us faith, that you restore faith, that we would find our rest in your work, our wholeness in your suffering, our freedom and your willingness to be nailed to a cross, our new life because you gave up yours. We pray this all for your glory, all for the good of the people that you died for, Lord, and help us to spread this message as we live for you today. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.